I'm gonna really expose myself here, but the number of times I have like envisioned myself on CNN getting interviewed is probably too much. <laughs> But like, I have dreams, right? And you need to really envision them and picture yourself there really, really often to sort of tell the doubt to shut the F up. Hello, and welcome to In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lyons. And I'm Andrea Gallego. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. This episode is a little bit different. As our season finale, we're wrapping up with our co-host, Andrea Gallego, who will be moving on next season. This conversation will be focused on career transitions, as I share a bit about my current career trajectory. But don't worry, In Her Element will be back for a second season with AI and digital expert, Suchi Srinivasan, stepping in to take my place as co-host. So here's our conversation to wrap up season one. Andrea, you have had an already prolific career and could rest on your laurels with the achievements you've already had in AI and the technology space. For those in our audience who might not know, can you tell us about some of the main inflection points you've had in your career and what led to your current role as BCG partner and CTO of BCG Gamma? Thanks, Corinne. I would say the first major, I guess what we all call them aha moments to be to be corny was when I I was the young one of the youngest interns um, at Lehman Brothers. I started as a freshman summer. I had interned every single year, and so when I joined Lehman Brothers, I was basically that was my fourth year. So I was sort of super accelerated, major path. Like I was like I'm going to be like the next CEO of Lehman Brothers, right? And two months later, <laughs> the entire company collapsed. So something you could never see on the horizon, just like out of nowhere. I mean, you could just never, ever see something like that happening. It really, I mean, too big to fail is a funny word, but but it was supposed to be too big to fail. So when Barclays bought out the remaining pieces of it, I was just like, I'm not going to be at Barclays. Like, this is the person that was a Lehman Brothers employee. Like, I just wasn't going to be okay there. And so that was the first moment. As most people know, I went to work for Jim and Marilyn Simons, who run the Simons Foundation, which was probably some of the most incredible five, six years of my life. To see the amount of research they're doing to help cure autism and to bridge, you know, physics and mathematics. It was just like, it, you would just walk into one room and they would be talking about some genomic sequencing. And then you'd walk into another room and they'd be talking about string theory. And you're like, where, <laughs> where am I? Like, this is amazing. That's interesting because it reminds me of like Dina Carwas and some of the things she said, and it was like all these different things. But do you think that's sort of like what gave you the feeling like I can do it all? Or did you always know that? Is it like inborn in you? Do you just, did you have some experiences that like gave that to you? And like, was that one of them? Because I actually didn't know a lot about that. Look, I think the whole point of this podcast was to be super authentic and transparent. So I'm just going to lay it out there because a lot of my female friends and male sponsors know this. When I was really young, I made a really key decision to not have children and leave my legacy another way. And I was very specific with myself. And I said, like, I need to leave a legacy. And I know for me that that's not going to be kids. And so it has to be something else that feels like that sacrifice was worth it. 
And so I think I, I always feel like I'm kind of slightly running out of time, which puts me in this like aggressive mode to make an impact. I was speaking to someone at BCG a couple of days ago and they're like, you know, what, what drives you? And I was like, look, I, I used to be ashamed of saying this when I was younger. I'm not anymore. It's power. I want power. Right. And I think men like men say that and it's okay. And I say it and I get these looks and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not saying I want power to do bad things. Right. And to influence change, to make an impact, to leave a mark. Exactly. And you need to be powerful to do that, unfortunately, right? Like you have to have a big voice. You have to have a lot of followers. Like you need to be powerful in order to incentivize and produce change. And so I always knew, okay, like whatever makes me more powerful is where I move, especially in my, in my career sort of constellation. I was surrounded by very powerful women at the Simons Foundation, And that just influenced me a lot. And these were women who were not boisterous or loud about it. These were really, really quiet women. You know, look, Marilyn would say two words in a boardroom and she would change the way the entire board thought. And I'm like, that's that's power. Like, it's not just being super loud or being like the biggest voice. It's saying the right things at the right time that make people think, wait a second, so yeah, that, that drove me to, you know, go to grad school, booze, McKinsey, and just keep looking for the opportunities to, to hone my craft and learn how to be those women, like learn how to be that person that sits in the room and says, but you, have you thought about it this way? And have someone go, whoa. Fascinating. I love that. So then you're at the Simons Foundation, five or six years there, and that, you know, you get imbued by all these incredible ideas and get exposed to all these things. And then... And then I go to grad school. I go to school for computer science and analytics because I'm like, okay, this foundation is awesome, but giving dollars to organizations needs to be backed by data. Like I was always super interested in how... Many years ago, organizations would give money based on intuition, which is fine, but you can really get taken advantage of if you do that, right? And so when I sat down with the Simons Foundation, I'm like, there's got to be better ways to do this. And I, I did a few small things just to make sure we had a data, a data-driven way to assess and ensure that our dollar, that every dollar, like 99 cents, would always go to the giving, not operations, not admin, but to the actual grant and to the giving. And that's what made me realize, like, I want to make a ton of impact, but it has to be data-driven. It has to be fact-based, has to be objective, and I need to be able to know, like, what are the tools I need? And I, you know, with an economics background, I sort of knew some coding and stuff already. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give that a shot. So I went to Fordham in New York um, for a year. Go Rams. Um, <laughs> um, awesome. So I went there. I went there for a while. Um, it was awesome. And then I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Do I want to go to a tech company? I don't know if I want to just code all day. Like I just was like, I really, really want to be with customers and clients. So um, I interviewed at a bunch of places. I ended up really liking Booz Allen. They had a really, really cool organization, culture, company. And so I went to Buzal and I moved to D.C. I didn't know you had to move to D.C. for that one. Okay. I was having a lot of fun. I wasn't planning on moving, but McKinsey and company called me. And as most of us know, especially BCGers, uh, you've got McKinsey, Bain, and BCG, right? Which are basically your top consulting companies in the world. And so I was like, oh my God, I go to work at McKinsey. And so I did. And McKinsey was awesome. 
it was like another fiery, a fiery five years. Um, I worked really hard. I went back to New York. I was in Paris. I traveled. I really enjoyed it. And then I got a call from a few folks in McKinsey, and they're like, how would you like to help start Quantum Black in Boston? And so I moved to Boston, and literally we worked out of a WeWork for like a year and a half. Super stealth mode. <laughs> we were like, it was a ton of fun. We recruited a ton of people, and we grew. We grew Quantum Black there. I built a cloud platform called Nerve, which was basically the nervous system of McKinsey, still used today. And I was sort of doing all that, building my team, you know, super settled, you know, like learning, feeling good. I love building teams. It's it's a thing that I've done a couple of times, and I really just watch, like, just love sitting back and watching what people that you bring to one room can do. NBCG called, and Sylvain um, gave me a an offer I could not refuse to be the CTL of BCG Gamma, and I will say that BCG. My almost six years here have been a career maker. It's just been incredible. It gave me an opportunity to test so much out, so many ideas that I had in my head for so many years. I was just able to bring to bear. And I went from this engineering team with, you know, two or three people that, God bless their souls, were like, whatever this crazy lady is saying, we'll give it a shot. (laughs) I'm like, what did what did I say to you guys that made you join this place? Um, it's also been so rewarding to see these people have this path in a classic firm that that path wasn't always there. Oh, and all the this podcast, the women in tech programs, we have a girls who code program and a women who code program. Uh. So you are moving on to a new role. Um, tell us about where you're going, whatever you're willing to share. We're excited to hear it. Yeah, so um, I'll be joining Google Cloud as one of the leaders there. And I am, I think as all of my teams have seen, which I think has made it bittersweet but more sweet than bitter, over the moon. (laughs) There's not a better place to be than over the moon about your new role. Congratulations. We are all excited for you too. And I want to say thank you for creating In Her Element and bringing me along for this crazy ride. It's been so incredible. The women we've gotten to to talk to, the allies that we've spoken to, the places we've taken it that we're looking forward to, to season two. And it will absolutely not be the same without you, but I hope that we can make you proud. Thank you, Karen, because I think what especially we need to let the audience know here is that I feel like all these founders and people are like, oh, we're, we're so excited about this, you know, wonderful new thing. It took Karen and I like, what, two and a half or two and a half years to get this yeah. thing off the ground? Yeah. So it wasn't like we just overnight were like, let's go do yeah. this podcast. But to your point, when you said BCG is such a beautiful playground, I think it's so true because, and also you're an inspiration to me because you were the one who was like, let's take this public facing. Why can't we? Like, you didn't even say, why can't we? Like, let's do it. And then, you know, talking to all the different people that we had to pull in and like just getting the support and getting that um, excitement. And you did that. And like, that would never have happened without you. But look at the company, right? Like they were just like, you know what? It sounds like a good idea. What's the worst that can happen? We're here because BCG is just this incredible, incredible place to just test things out. I mean, that's how you learn, right? Absolutely. 
Well, career transitions are something that has come up many times in this season. And for example, Dana Carwas spoke about her transition into her current role at Yale from NYU and the challenges associated with that. And Debika Bhattacharya spoke about how she had transitioned through various roles within the same company at Verizon. So what are some of the challenges that women face when they are transitioning between roles and companies, do you think? I'm going to start with probably the most obvious one, but I think it needs to keep coming up is this huge imposter syndrome. You know, I think we talk about it all the time, but we need to keep talking about it. We need to tick every single box as women or we will not feel qualified. You listen to Astera, right, at Digital Ventures. We spoke to them and they mentioned that, you know, sometimes faking it till you make it shouldn't have this terrible connotation. It doesn't mean you're not skilled. It means that you're taking your core qualifications and applying them to something new, right? But like raw smarts won't always translate to a specific qualification on a job description. And so, I mean, the amount of times that I have sat somewhere, and I'm sure there are women and and men going, oh yeah, me too, that you sit in a room going, is the gig up? (laughs) Are they going to realize that I'm like not supposed to be in this seat? And the reality is everyone else knows you're fully prepared for that seat. It's you're in the seat, right? You're, you're the one going, man, like, can I pull this off? And so I think the first challenge is just realizing that like, it's not imposter syndrome. It's that you're feeling that you're needing to adapt to a new role and that's okay. I think, you know, discomfort, imposter syndrome, all these things are challenges that will not go away. But I think there are so many of our women on the episodes and there's so many women online that like openly talk about this and like it's a challenge that can easily be be overcome. The second one is just (laughs) realizing that at the top, we are still incredibly unbalanced and you don't avoid that going to another company. I had another incredible mentor, I still do, Romy Newman. And look, I had some really hard times at BCG where I was like, I'm the only female. What is going on? And she would tell me, don't leave for that reason because you will again be the only female somewhere else until as a group, we, you know, we move forward. Now, look, it's better than it was 60 years ago. I'm still very glass half full. And I still think that like even the fact that I'm growing into a new role, I may not have been able to to grow into, you know, 60 years ago, 50 years ago is a big deal. But yeah, at the top, we're, we're still the minority. Um, the diverse population is still the minority. Let's put it that way, right? Men of color, women of color. I mean, y- you name it, right? It's not always better somewhere else in that in that sense. I think that's still a challenge that, you know, you just have to find personal ways and, and mentorship and sponsors to get around that. I like that, like recognizing the, the distance that has been traveled and the recognition of that, but like to not be satisfied, to not be like, it's enough, to be like, it's still not enough. And yes, we've, we've made strides, but let's go farther. Yeah, exactly. Let's keep pushing. Right. Yeah. Uh, You're obviously in an incredible role at BCG right now, um, but what are some of the benefits that you hope to gain in this new role? I guess I know that you've accomplished so much and it feels like from the outside, you're so happy. So what is some of the motivation for moving forward? Can you share with us? Yeah, let's just set the record straight, right? I'm not running away from anything. 
again, man, I've had wonderful mentors, but I was another mentor told me whenever you leave a role and you're really happy at your current role, you should be running to something better, right? Like you should be like so, so excited about this next jump. And that's what it is for me. It is a jump. I am going to a more senior role. I'm going to more scale. I am going to make bigger impact and I'm going to make BCG proud. BCG, unlike some other companies, really treats people that are exiting in the right scenarios, right, as really incredible alumni. I think it is just a, a space for more impact. And that's always what I that's always what I what I look for if I'm gonna leave a place that I'm really that I'm really enjoying. Look, I love the Simons Foundation too, right? But I wanted to make more impact. And I think those companies also want you to make impact in the world if they really care about you as an employee, as an individual, it's wonderful for the brand that you move on to amazing things, right? There is a BCG alum, Martin, oh, we'll get his last name in the show notes. He is now the CFO of YouTube. So amazing role. I mean, of course, like he was probably super happy at BCG, but what a role to go to and how amazing for BCGers to be like, ooh, one day maybe I could be the CFO of a huge organization right? Sky's the limit, man. So what advice would you give to someone looking to become a leader in AI and digital like you are, and they're not really sure where to start? What would you suggest? So the first thing I would say is, I know this is going to sound repetitive, but hopefully enough repetition makes folks go like, okay, this is probably the right thing to do. Like there's something to this. Like it really has to make you feel happy in your gut. Look, I have tried to get my second CS degree at Georgia Tech three times. Okay. And I was so unhappy because I'm like sitting there. All I want to do is like code organically and just do stuff naturally. And I'm sitting there crunching for a linear algebra exam. And I'm like, what am I doing? I do not want to do linear or nonlinear algebra under pressure ever again. <laughs> But I felt like it was something I had to do to stay relevant. And the reality is like, you figure out what you need to do to stay relevant. It does not have to be another degree. You define it. And digital and tech is so much more, you know, we've spoken about this. Like, it's so much more than just a piece of code. It's so much more than acing a technical interview. There are core qualifications across all of tech and digital, but it's just, there's so much more there. And it's not just about code, right? And so... I encourage people to really look at the whole tech and digital realm, uh, product and marketing and strategy versus just the engineering component, right? So I say that's the first one. The second one is you need to have like, have a big goal and manifest it in your head, right? Like I'm going to really expose myself here, but the number of times I have like envisioned myself on CNN getting interviewed is probably too much, <laughs> but like I have dreams, right? And you need to really envision them and picture yourself there really, really often to sort of tell the doubt to shut the F up. That's so fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. Um, really good insight into who you are and like your method and what can work for others, I think. Thank you. So now can you tell us this is our quintessential question, right? And of course, we have to ask you, tell us about a time when you felt like you were in your element, Andrea. It is with my teams. 
it makes me feel all cozy inside. <laughs> like I just, people coming together to do amazing things is, oh God. And when they're teams you put together and you're just like the brain power in this room and the culture in this room and the emotion in this room. Oh, it is just like, just wonderful magic coming together and people like whiteboarding and putting sticky notes up. There's just that to me is when you like look down at your watch and you're like, oh my God, we need to have lunch or oh my God, it's 10 p.m. Like it's really, really when for me time just disappears. It's it's not when I'm alone, you know, I'm tracking and, you know, I have time and I'm like trying to manage my schedule and stuff. But when I'm in a room with a group and we are jiving and getting ideas on a on a whiteboard, time literally disappears. Well, thank you so, so very much, Andrea, for your work on bringing In Her Element to life this season. You have made an indelible mark and you will be unforgettable. You've left quite a legacy. So thank you so much. Thank you, Corinne. I cannot wait to listen to season two. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us every episode to hear meaningful conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. Thank you so much for listening.